Welcome to Listening to Paint Tribe with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Thank you very much for joining us for our journey to become better, braver, happier painters. So before we get into our fantastic guest today, just a quick programming note. Uh, we'll have this episode and one more before the new year uh, while we take a break and prep for our second anniversary show and just kind of enjoy uh, family and friends. Cool. Well, today, Mike and I are elated to have an interview with an artist that we had the pleasure of meeting uh, in person at Eric's painting class a few months ago. His skills made us look so bad that it was just great to have him on. And uh, he's a pretty cool guy. So, Will Hahn of Sick Willie's Miniature Art, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yep. Oh, man. Sorry it took so long to get you on after the class. You know, time has just been crazy. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. But, no, you know, I hear you. My end, too. So, it's good. Right. You know, and, and yeah, everybody's schedule, like, it seems as it gets closer to the holidays, just kind of explodes. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. So, you know, before we get kind of into uh, main interview stuff, let's let's knock out your origin story first. Can you tell us a little bit how you got into this crazy hobby? So, um, like many people, the gateway drug was definitely Warhammer. Um, and I have been in and out for, you know, several times over the years. Um, I think that we were, my brother and I, as kids, were introduced to Warhammer when we were visiting some family friends uh, who lived in Germany. And I think they were introduced to it over there. Um, that's when we first kind of got our taste of it. And then I remember, um, you know, we came home, didn't think about it that much after that vacation. And then uh, the family moved back to the U.S. and they kind of hooked my brother and I on it. So we begged uh, my, we found it at a local sort of like um, not really a gaming store. I guess they sold um, all kinds of the store store kinds of like sports memorabilia and had some like magic, the gathering stuff and whatnot, but they had the Warhammer fantasy battles, like fifth edition starter set, which was the lizard men and Bretonians. So nice. I think my brother and I begged my mom to get us that for one Christmas and we split it and I took the lizard men and I gave my brother the Bretonians um, because, you know, lizard people are super cool and <laughs> I didn't want to paint all that heraldry. <laughs> so I gave it to my little brother who really couldn't paint all that heraldry. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my, um, my first army. I had a group of friends who, you know, I used to play with uh, and then I think it was um, as I got a little bit older, you know, that that girls in gasoline syndrome hit, um, right. you know, about 15, 14, 15, 16 years old, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I'm going to parties every weekend and doing I've other things, better things to do with my time. And I kind of didn't really think about it for a long time. And then um, later in life, um, I was married with kids and I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and um, I had a pretty severe case of it and it got to the point that um, just working daily life, everything had just become a, a serious struggle as well as it prohibited me from doing one of my other main hobbies, which is hunting and fishing. I used to spend a lot of time outdoors, but I just couldn't physically do it anymore. And I remember going through treatment and I was hooked up to an IV, getting IV antibiotics for like five or six hours a day. Ooh. And um, I was just going mad inside. And mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know 
when the, the thought popped into my head thinking about Warhammer, but it just kind of popped in there. And I'm from, um, I'm from Baltimore and the old, back when I used to play the U S games workshop headquarters used to be in Glen Burnie. So I used to, I actually like just pulled it up on my phone and see if it was still there. And of course it wasn't, but I did find a local GW, um, in a town, maybe like 10, 15 minutes from me. And I popped back in and, um, the store manager was awesome. I became friends with him and I started collecting a new army and it got me through a lot of hard times. Nice. And then from there, it just, you know, escalated, you know, I was really into, um, gaming and everything for a while. And I think it was, um, at my first Nova when I was exposed to, the display painting aspect of it. And I got to see stuff from like Matt DiPetro, um, Eric Swinson, uh, Sam Lenz, Vince, like see all of their stuff like in person, uh, John Margiata, who mm-hmm. I had become friends with on CMON. Um, and just, just seeing all of that and being exposed to it was just like this whole other undiscovered level. And it just hooked me kind of immediately. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah from then it was just kind of and then then like covid hit like not long after that so i had a lot of time just to sit and paint and, and get good i guess <laughs> right yeah I, I, it's funny that that, that there you have similar parts of it that to me like i i went to a nova and saw the roman display and mm-hmm. was like what the holy hell is that yeah that's not even you know like it broke like every concept that i had of what we do you know what i mean and I was like, sign me up for sure. I get it, man. Uh, but it seems you're feeling better that you've recovered. You're, you have chronic Lyme disease, but you're definitely in re- recovered. Yeah. I'm in, in, in a place where it's um, manageable, you know, and I, you know, normal life mostly. So. And so besides that, you know, you know, also you, you like to make your life harder at painting too, by almost cutting off fingers too, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did see those photos finally. I was like, oh my God, what do you do? Did I show them to you in Virginia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sadly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also saw the one I was, I, you know, we do we do stalking before we do interviews. And so okay. like, I was looking through your Facebook Sorry, page. And like, I was like, good Lord, man. Yeah, I the 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 actual photos I, I couldn't post on Instagram. No. <laughs> There's no way I could actually post that. They were uh they were pretty gnarly. I did um it's kind of funny. I remember sending sending a couple to um to Alfonso and he I think he said he he threw up when he watched them or something. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah I was uh that was this God was it March, April? No, it was like last day in April. It was right before May. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um and um I was cutting a plinth i was using a router um and uh i was trying to get kind of a last minute thing done for mpo and uh the router bit caught the plinth kicked it out of my hand and then my hand just went straight into this half inch router bit at like full speed and was a uh, near amputation of my finger basically meaning that it cut through everything on the index finger of my right hand which is my painting hand um and uh with the exception of a little bit of skin uh on my uh the thumb side of the hand so it severed the nerve on my pinky finger side um 
shattered the bone completely through uh, and severed both tendons, the flexor and extensor tendons on the top and bottom. Um, and uh, fortunately, uh, we are very close to Union Memorial Hospital, which is one of the best hand clinics uh, in the world, I think. And uh, they were able to put me back together pretty well. Nice. Yeah, I saw all the the how many screws or nails did you have they put in your hands uh there were three pins i three think pins. and yeah they um they went through the tip of my finger through the first joint uh into the um all the way through you know, the second joint so you too now can say that just like your models you've been pinned as well yeah um, hey <laughs> absolutely what's I'm actually sorry. kind of kind of funny was i actually had a surgery on the same finger same hospital i think like seven or eight years before that oh, wow. when i had a uh, a tendon slip i had to get another pin in there because i tore one of those tendons previously mm. on that same hand not doing anything nearly as cool it's, right so i'll just leave, leave that <laughs> up to mystery <laughs> so dan how have you bled like that for your art or for your hobby i haven't no i just uh, no not that much i mean i've stuck a couple like drill bits through my uh, tip of my fingers trying to pin things <laughs> but uh nah not trying to take hands or feet off or yeah, anything yeah. Like never that. never dropped an exacto knife on your lap that's always fun um <laughs> Actually, I dropped one today and it landed on my foot and I was just like, oh my gosh, but it was a flat, it was a flat chisel type oh, so it just okay. bounced off and I was just like, oh man, if oh, that was a good. pointy one, that shit would have been all the way through it. I did it. I did it like two days ago. I dropped the, um, the pointy one right on my thigh. Oh, I haven't done the thigh, but I put it in the I was thigh like, oh, I have my foot. Yeah. That, that one's going to bleed. That one's going to bleed. <laughs> and it did. Jeez. Well, in, in, when Dan and I took Roman's uh, three-day beginner class, somebody had borrowed my toolkit out of my book bag and just kind of threw it back in there. And it's Dan remembers this. And I didn't even look. And I reached into my book bag and I came out and I had the X-Acto knife Stuck under out. my nail. Oh, that's no fun. And yeah, like, I, I just know. remember like Roman looked over and he's <laughs> kind of rolls his eyes and does this noise. Like, I'm like, do I pull it out? Or, you know, like, I, like what's going to happen? I'm scared. You should have all you need in that, in that hobby bag. All you need is a little bit of super glue. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was actually, um, when I was younger, I was a oyster shucker for years and I worked at a, my, my my family sells seafood. I worked at the raw bar there, and um, that was my first aid kit. Was literally super glue and like some alcohol. So you cut if I cut my hand while working, um, cleaning out with alcohol, and then super glue the wound shut, and I was good to go in like five minutes. That's uh chilling, but yeah, you know it's funny they don't, they don't really do <laughs> stitches anymore. Yeah, it's even when uh, uh my my son got you know a cut relatively recently which back in the day would have been stitches they just glued it and put a butterfly on it now yeah so yeah yeah you were ahead of your time will you yeah, were very super glue, ahead of your time. super glue super glue is great <laughs> <laughs> fixes all your flesh wounds so dan i'm gonna let you take the next question on that i'm gonna recover a little bit from you know nearly losing a finger <laughs> <laughs> so um so you told us a little bit about your history and then what got you started but really what made you like get into uh, wanted to be more competitive and uh, take the path that you are on now for um, for painting. Um, 
a lot of that first Nova, you know, really just still, again, being, being exposed to that and learning from the other artists. So it was, it was interesting. So like seeing a lot of that stuff in person, it was awe inspiring, but at the same time, it also made it feel not so out of reach. You know, I feel like so often we look at stuff online from all these, and we're, we're exposed to all these incredible artists from all over the world. You know, especially you start looking at something like, um, you know, from um, like from Lan or Mark or Arnau or, um, or Kirill, you know, and it's just mind-blowingly good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, back at that time, like I'd still, you know, look at stuff online from, you know, like, um, you know, Matt or sam or eric or whatever it's just like wow that's so good and just seeing it in person it was a different it just i don't know it it made it feel not so far away mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. um mm-hmm. still like you know far and beyond what i was capable of at that time um then also like learning from them as well and and um kind of beginning starting to learn how to to kind of process that and turn it into something else. Um, But I've always been a competitive person, um, very much so. And and anything that I do, I like to, if if I'm going to spend time at something, I like to be good at it. Um, And this is something that I'd I'd grown to love. So I I wanted to be good at it. I mean, um, and anything that I've been into, over the years, any hobby um, or, or interest, um, I've always competed at it at some level. Um, mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm not going to say like really came naturally, but it to a degree, it did come naturally for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much of that was just natural or, or my, my interest in it and me pushing myself harder to learn and to, you know, keep pushing on improving my skills. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess when it just, uh, things just started to, to click, I guess. And then I just, you know, kind of ran with it. Okay. Now, let me, let me ask you this a little bit off script here, if you don't mind, Dan, I apologize cool. for kind of jumping in here, but no. so then, um, where you're at now to put you a little bit on the spot, like kind of critique yourself as a, pa- a painter, like what are your strengths and uh, where do you think you need to, where you need to focus on or work on? Yeah, I know it's, I it's am, not a fun question. <laughs> no, it's okay. Just I'm, I'm really bad at critiquing my own work because mm-hmm. I am, I, I think that I'm overly hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that so many of my painting friends and mentors and everyone have always told me as well, that my biggest hurdle is getting out of my own way um, and getting out of my own head. Mm-hmm. Because I look at something and whatever it is I'm painting, it, it can always be better. I can improve it more. I can. I need to be pushing more and pushing more. And um, I think that's my, to be honest, that's my, my biggest weakness is kind of not being able to let go so to speak mm-hmm. um strengths i don't know i don't know I, it's just, just this is a it's hard for me to peg something something specific like i said i'm just i'm terrible at critiquing my own work um okay well let's do it this way then let, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you because 
because uh, the weakness thing is awesome because I think that's uh, okay. That is a true story for a lot of people that they can't mm-hmm. get out of their own way. They can't, you know, everything that they do sucks instead of taking a step back and being able to realize when they've been successful. So, so let's talk. Sure, I like on on that note. <laughs> like I have, like you guys can see me. I know the listeners won't be able to, but you mm-hmm. see this whole second shelf down here. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. all unfinished projects that I got like half three quarters <laughs> two thirds of the way through and i got in my own head or i got bored or i got frustrated I'm like this isn't going to work and then i stop and i start something new and it's been a bad habit that i've developed that i'm trying to get out of yeah you know what you killed the question for later but that's okay, okay. No, that's all right i'm not going to ask that question later because it's because i think it might be a different type of rabbit hole but uh for as far as successes go let's Mm -hmm. let's do it this way or strengths go you have the piece scarlet yeah just one people's choice people's choice for the everyer metal painting the probably largest online painting competition right when you look at that piece what are the things about it that you like about that piece i was so happy about that red (laughs) like i'm not gonna lie like i that 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 red was it was hard it was frustrating but once i figured it out i figured out and it just like i I am really happy with that because in hand it it explodes like it screams because so what it what it actually is is um so when you when you paint red and the nature of that color oftentimes like your your highlights are the most saturated version of of red whatever you're using right Mm -hmm. i mean excluding specular highlights and like like reflecting whatnot um and i felt like some of my like actual paints like my purest pigment red paints were not strong enough for what i wanted so i ended up saying like okay how can i saturate this peak even more and i used fluorescence so I actually used incorporated like it's like undercoats of white for the value. And then I did um, I used like fluorescent magenta to keep it cold. And then I used fluorescent red on top of that to get the tone that I wanted. And then I'm using my most saturated reds, which would normally be the highlight, but I'm shifting them down toward more towards midtones. Okay. So I'm like, ex- I kind of ex- was able to extend the range of red out beyond what it would normally have been with just my normal red paints. Um, and I'm talking about like red paints, like my, my boldest, like naphthol reds or, or like cadmium red or whatever. Um, it's just, it's more explosive than that. And that was something I was really, really happy with. Um, you don't say the marble. Please. If you don't mention the marble on that, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I actually stupid. wasn't going to. I oh was going to say something about the base build. Okay, <laughs> the base build. Um, like I, I was happy with that because the the gothic arch thing, like all of that, is entirely built out of uh, milliput and plastic card. Nice. That's um, for sure. Yeah. So I was I was pretty stoked about it. It was a lot of like. You know, stenciling it and cutting with an exacto knife and you know, shaping and trying to get the shapes right, and um, it's one of those things that and and like for for the marble, actually, the, the marble was probably like one of the easiest things to do on on that model for sure. Um, it um, it was just a variation of the baby wipe method that so many of us have mm-hmm. used or, or know to use. Um, 
so that was actually that actually went by really really quickly thankfully because i was running behind on getting that thing done in time for headbanger <laughs> well that's kind of the story you're like from talking with you at nova that's kind of the story of your life you're kind of like oh crap i gotta finish you know yeah dude no it absolutely it absolutely is um but for the i mean for the most part i've never like i don't really miss deadlines i'm always up to the up to the very end i can't remember which one it was uh yeah i think it was for headbanger and that was like the mo- like the furthest in advance I think I had ever submitted like models or photos to an online contest. And I think it was like an hour before the deadline closed. Like every <laughs> single thing else, like nice. every time I entered like miniature monthly masters or MPO or even MFCA this year, when I submitted photos to MFCA, it was all like somewhere between like maybe 20 minutes before the deadline up to nice. like literally seconds. Like I've literally like, it's like upload. And then the clock strikes like exactly the hour where it stops to upload. Like, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. I think um, my mom had this, you know, she has this one of those little signs in her kitchen and it says, uh, if it weren't for the last minute, I wouldn't get anything done. And that mm-hmm. totally came to me like 100%. But <laughs> as long as it's before the deadline, it's, it's before the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead, Dan. I'll let you take. Uh, I, I keep mo- monopolizing the conversation. <laughs> See, it's like I'm not even here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Mike asked you about like strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and, and we all know that, it's, you know, I'll just piggyback on what he said. It's really difficult to um, to really to look inside and see what what the what we're faced with and what we're good at and things. But as you're painting right now and you're doing some of your uh, projects, what's something that that's a real challenge? You're like, man, I really want to get this down. And you had a great example There's, about your reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something else out there that you're like, man, I really recently wish I could just nail that. One of the things that has been driving me crazy, absolutely crazy is, um, gold non-metallic gold okay Mm -hmm. so one of the things i've noticed there's not that many painters out there there's very few that can paint totally correct non-metallic gold based on the environment that the model is in and if you really sit and you evaluate the tonal spectrum which gold actually reflects um and like a quick example, like gold doesn't reflect colors like blue and purple. They, they, they show up differently. Like this, the spectrum of pure gold, it just physically doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying for me, trying to understand the, the place where I'm trying to represent this, this model and what would be in the environment and reflecting in there. So understanding, you know, first off, nailing down in my head, the, the input for the reflection, and then translating it into that paint and getting the output that is tonally correct. And there are so few painters out there that actually do it really right. Okay. And there's something that's different. There's different between being physically correct and being right and being aesthetically pleasing. Um, at the, in the end of the day, aesthetically pleasing should win out. Okay. To create a dynamic piece. But I think that one of the most important things to do to be able to make the most aesthetically pleasing piece that you want is you need to understand those physical, physically correct concepts before you can put them into your own head and then spit out something 
more artistic. Um, it It's something that I feel is sort of necessary for an elevated product. And it is, to say the least, it's, it's mind-bending. It's absolutely, it's absolutely mind-bending for me because you're, it's translating these physics concepts, concepts of light into the, you know, it's what you would call like additive light theory into subtractive pigment theory. And then how each of these different pigments react and come together on the model to represent that color. And, you know, it's to still get all the luminosity correct in the right portions of the fractions. And it's, um, it's been driving me nuts. And that's actually, I don't know if you guys saw the work in progress of Arthur. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I was trying to do it on that and I've just, I was banging my head against the wall and I got so mad and Arthur, uh, kind of hit the shelf for a little bit. I do want to come back to him. I do want to come back to him, but, um, it's, it's hard. Like I, I've heard people say before that like, Oh, if you're going to learn non-metallics do gold first, it's the easiest. It's not gold is the, one of the hardest non-metallics to paint. Well, mm-hmm. it's easy to paint to a low standard. It's hard to paint really, really well. And when I mean really, really well, I'm talking about like world-class well it's freaking hard yeah i think i i think for for painters so too like gold is like an easy introduction to kind of that concept of light and shadow what you're talking about you're like you're 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 what even what you're talking about is going beyond like sky earth you know what i mean like you're you're you're, you know like that's not even that's yeah that's that's in the dust yeah right (laughs) it's not even like uh I know. I, I think uh, I'm probably gonna have when I listen and edit this. I'm probably gonna have to bust out a diction, an art dictionary, um, <laughs> um, and be like, "What did he just say?" Yeah, <laughs> Luma, what? Um, that just happened. Yeah, no, uh, no. I, I mean, it makes sense that. I mean, that's a, a geez, That's kind of a huge challenge for anybody. I I think maybe what two Lan and. Carol, right? Or the, those are the only two that. Land doesn't e- if you like, land doesn't even really do it that much. I've been pouring over Land's work. Mm-hmm. I've seen some. I've seen more of it in Arnaus. Okay. Um, you don't think so in the Aries model? I would say the the Aries model that landed. It's certainly environmentally, or maybe it's no. It it is, but so land is technically amazing, and I've had this conversation with so many people. I mean, he's a little mm-hmm. un- undisputably. It, for me, uh, top four in the world, mm-hmm. like un- undisputably. Um, but one of the things that I find with him is that I feel like a lot of his non-metallics, um, they are in a way, or he represents the models almost in a vacuum. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, they are perfect. Like in a vacuum, his rendering is perfect. Absolutely perfect. But it's in a vacuum. Kirill is better at it. Mm-hmm. Kirill, like for this specific thing. And I've noticed it on Kirill and they're like, and I think it's really interesting studying Kirill because it's as much his decisions of the things he's adding and the things he's choosing to leave out. Mm-hmm. Because if you add everything in, it's, it's too much. At the end of the day, we're still limited by the scale and what we can represent. We're limited by physics. Um, I remember looking over, I'm now I'm like pulling up a, lands lands thing i'm gonna look at it again no yeah it 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 is but again that's steel is it i thought it was it's not gold 
And that's why I thought I was looking at it to see if there's any gold on it. That's all steel or, or silver, which is mm. as far as environmental contamination or, or and the colors, it's it's so much easier than on a colored metal. I really thought his Aries was gold. Oh, gold. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're saying Aries. I'm looking at. I'm thinking of Hades, the one that he just did. Oh no, no. I'm thinking of uh, Aries. the Aries. Yeah, box yeah. Art now now I know what did. you're talking about. Yeah, that one he did a while back. Yeah, that's a, it's an older piece for sure. Now might have to yeah. look at that. Now I'm his work is scroll just through. It's absolutely he's stunning. So good. Oh, this is Carol. Not. And there are so many. I mean, yeah. I think you're right though on the money. They're aesthetically pleasing artists out there like you know like andy wardle does a fantastic aesthetically pleasing gold but it's not really environmentally affected it's light shadow right. affected but it's not like you're yeah. not looking at it and looking at it and go oh that green is reflecting as blue because it's yellow gold yeah. you know what i mean like that, that Ex- type of- exactly um and i think and, and the difference like you know just like andy just like um you know lan is just it's so it's so technically good, yes, perfect. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter that's for fair him. Too. That's fair, you know. And that's—I that's think that's part of their style, and that's what makes mm-hmm. the two of them so damn good. Right. Yeah. Damn Europeans, man. You know. <laughs> we'll catch man, up. We'll catch up. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Not, we'll catch up. We'll catch them. <laughs> I am not worried about the state of U.S. miniature painting, especially after that class and just just what. I mean, there was some talent in that Eric's class that I mm-hmm. people that I had never even heard of from Richmond, and I'm like, God damn, those are fantastic painters, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, especially those uh, the two guys that paint for Oscar Studio. Right, exactly, mm-hmm. right. You know, and I'm like, geez, you know, that's that's three at least in Richmond that we know mm-hmm. of that are fantastic because you have Oscar Lars as well, and mm-hmm. then you and uh, Dave in Baltimore, uh, mm-hmm. Bourbon Brush, I guess mm-hmm. is his what his handle goes on. Yeah, we're uh, and then we have uh, Devin in Winchester, Virginia, who's a pretty good painter as well, and of course Eric representing Southern Virginia. So you know, yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm not I'm not worried about the state of U.S. painting, man. Even just in this area, it's coming along super fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like um, I mean, still, you know, like and you know Matt Pietro and Aaron yeah. Lovejoy and um, I just draw a blank. Um, <laughs> Steve, oh my God, Steve, Steve's amazing. Steve, uh, Steve Rodriguez, yeah. Steve, Steve Garcia. Steven oh, Garcia. Garcia. He's Garcia fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, if you guys have ever heard of uh, Quarter Paint, Josh Berman. He's really yeah. good. And um, Rhett Jenkins is, is coming up coming up pretty hard too, man. He's, he's doing, been putting on some really cool stuff. Um, a lot of – there's, there's, the there's Midwest it's too. It's nice Sam to see. Lens, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sam Sam and John and, and, and you know, Vince and yep, Vince, everybody. Yeah. There's like we could go on. Like US is a big place. You know, there's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of hidden talent. And I feel like our community is finally doing what Europe used to do, right? Like they had all those mm-hmm. painting competitions, they all were close together. Now I feel like everybody in the US is starting to getting to know everybody in the US. Like I feel like yeah. maybe COVID kind of actually Ed- jump started. For those. sure. And but before we move on to this, I, I gotta shout out um Chris Surrey, Anthony Wang, and David Powell as well hell yes well david uh, powell man david david powell is like Powell's my original awesome. my original <laughs> idol like i was explaining um when I, I don't remember who we were talking to uh on the podcast but uh when after i saw roman's work mm-hmm. i was kind of like okay i started scouring like facebook and everything and i'm like god damn it 
every you know, everybody's European. Everybody's European. You know, like, do we have any good U.S. artists? And the first artist that I came across that was an, an American artist that I was like, David holy Powell's crap, we're really as good. good. We have some people as good. Was David Powell's work? I was. Yeah. Um, I was actually painting with uh, Powell and Eric on Sunday on a hangout. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No. And then uh, then I came across Matty Pietro stuff mm-hmm. too, and. You know, and Matt's Matt is the crossover guy. So is David. They both mm-hmm. do. They go. They dabble in historicals and vehicles and all that stuff. Everything. Too. I'd you like know. to do a historical at some point. But to your point about, um, you know, the U.S. is sort of doing what Europe used to. If you're talking about, you know, exchange of ideas and stuff like that, I do agree with you that that COVID has helped that a lot because the biggest thing that I think that we had before in American miniature painting kind of one of the issues is how big the U.S. is and how spread apart we are geographically, you know? Um, You can't really, like, there's the the concentration of really high-end painters. It's really dispersed all over the country. So you didn't really have the access um, that um, you may have in, in Europe. And with the advent of COVID forcing so many of us home and and into on the online community which which existed i think before but it just it not necessarily with the same oomph um and i think those those things kind of combined are making more uh the community more global i -hmm. think uh even than it was before and then with that global community um you know you have more of that exchange of ideas exchange of information uh, being able to take classes and coaching from from anybody anywhere that's offering it, right? You know, um, like I, I was able to learn from um, Richard Gray and Sergio mm-hmm. Calvo and Banshee now, um, and I, I started off with uh, with Aaron Aaron Lovejoy. Um, he was like my he was my first mentor, and mm-hmm. um, but still, like the the access we have now is i think only good for miniature painting as a whole because you're going to start seeing more people who are getting good yeah yeah and you know and that's it's it's neat to what what i think i find interesting is uh one of the things i complain about modern nba is like back in my day watching Mm -hmm. the nba every team had a player right Mm -hmm. You, you thought rockets you thought you know you thought the what's his name Clyde the no Hakeem Olajuwon the the trailblazers of course for Clyde Drexler Bulls mm-hmm. Michael Jordan you know like um and I feel like U.S. painting is starting to pick up that way because like now I think of narrative painting I think of Chris Serhi you know like in the way he writes sto- the stories I think of uh, technical exceptionalism I think of Matt DiPietro you know like just uh or the, Steve or Eric they're, Steve, they're just they're they're on that level absolutely. man yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, but I feel like we're starting to get painters that have identities or a crazy idea guy that really executes Sam, you know, like Sam Lenz and, you know, stuff along those lines. We're all having that. Uh, it's, it's, a, I don't know. I feel like we're beyond a renaissance. We're kind of like in a surge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In, in us painting, which is awesome. And so absolutely. Again, we have, uh, so we have, Lots of ideas. Some of us are more creative than others. Uh, some of us are able to just uh, dream up things and able to paint it. So where do you uh, get your inspiration? Um, 
it can just kind of happen from all over the place. I think that I, I do try to look at um, a lot of like, um, like, you know, Instagram and stuff like that, you know, fantasy art. Um, just, I love fantasy and sci-fi movies and shows and, um, you know, productions like that. I think that, um, you know, you can get a lot of good ideas from that. Uh, I think that, so filling your brain with these, these images, these ideas, other artworks, stuff like that is kind of like your bank, right? You fill your brain with it, you shove it in, in the back of your mind. And then with, when it comes to a miniature or something like that, it's, um, kind of pick up the model and sometimes it just, it just sort of strikes. Like I can see this character in this place, you know, with this ambience, with this lighting, and it all just kind of sticks and comes in and it's like an idea from the start for me. uh, Sometimes it's, sometimes it is that sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, I just really like this model and I think it's cool. And I start painting it. And as I'm painting it, those ideas kind of start to come together. So for instance, like Scarlet, I had a very specific idea from the get go, you know, like from like, I got that model. I was looking at it. I'm like, Hmm, I'm going to do it like this Um, with, you know, the, the, the shape of the architecture, the color composition, bold red robe sticking out against this dark, cold, stark, you know, um, scene. And then Oni, the, a lot of that, started to come later like the idea of putting like the um like the journal entries around the base and the story that came with it that actually developed as i was painting it like um i did know i wanted to kind of put him in like a forest or jungle or something like that uh, because Mm -hmm. that was necessary to make the red work with like sort of the greens on the metallics that i did so what's interesting about that model is it doesn't work at all without that base if I took the Oni off and put him in front of a like black or white or gray backdrop, anything neutral, the mm-hmm. focus and the lighting, everything's completely off. It looks totally wrong. Um, but by putting his red skin in that forest background, it forces the focus exactly where I wanted it to be. That makes sense too, because the complementary colors kind exactly. of pulling it, it pulling it all through. So then I guess I guess it's kind of I don't know. A follow on to kind of what Dan had asked. Um, do you find it's it more often that you have the idea and then look for the miniature or you have the miniature and then the idea comes? I'm that? a serial miniature buyer. So okay. it's, you know, the latter. <laughs> so Jeez, I kind of like, I see something and I'm like, oh, that's super cool. And then like, I get it and it just kind of you know, goes, goes in and what'll happen is sometimes like I'll even get a miniature, you know, and it's, and it's just something really cool and I'll, I'll have it. And then at a later point, like an idea just kind of pops into my head and I'm like, this model would be perfect for that. Okay. Um, nice. Occasionally. You ever have to go, where the hell did I put that? No, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. How many, how many old Games Workshop boxes do I have to move out of the way to get to the model that I want? Nice. <laughs> you know, this is a question I was going to ask, but you kind of killed it by talking mm-hmm. about the, 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 the case behind you was. That's okay. Um, we can, we can that's okay. It's, it's, make, it's, make me live my shame. 
No, <laughs> it's not even really just that. It was just basically not to put you on the spot. Right. But um, has there been a project that you've gotten pretty close to completion and been like, oh, yeah, that's not working or that's not going to um, work? So I try to figure out early on if it's not going to work. Okay. Because there's nothing worse than putting a whole bunch of effort into something and then realizing it's just not going to work. It's the worst feeling ever because it just feels like time wasted. Um, which to that point, actually, if you're ever painting anything, it's not time wasted because you're learning by doing. Um, I, one of my grandfather, uh, one of my favorite quotes from him is you learn the right thing to do by effing up. Okay. So, Making mistakes is a good thing as long as you're learning from them, right? right. Um, but um, if it's not going to work in the in the end, like I mean, like, again, that's something that, that I try to figure out at the beginning. But there are times where I'll get to a point and I'm trying to figure out how to make it work. Okay. Um, Sometimes these these projects, sometimes it's something where I'm just like, okay, I need to sit on this for a little bit and I need to work it out in my brain, how I'm going to keep going, how I'm going to um, keep approaching this. Sometimes it's a little bit of that, um, that hobby ADD where it's just like, I want this new shiny thing. Like mm -hmm. maybe I'm like mid project and it's like, oh, that Kickstarter I ordered like eight months ago is finally here. Okay. Let's open it up and check all these out. Like these are super cool. I got to do this now. You know, um, I so, can't relate to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it can be, it can be a lot of things. Um, so yeah, trying, trying to figure out if it'll work or not is definitely my, my best advice is figure that out at the beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, there are things like, I feel like every, every single project you are going to come to hurdles, you know, I don't think I, I have never had a project where everything came easy it doesn't like there are going to be things that are going to be hard you're going to have to figure things out especially if you're pushing yourself to do new techniques try new things like it's it's not easy like it it takes it takes effort it takes trying and failing and keeping and trying and, and the, the important thing is to when you get it just remember what it is that you did and then apply it towards future projects um but um, the uh, the the abandoned ones, I don't think they're they're abandoned. They're they're just they're in progress. They're in progress. And the strongest ones, I will come back to. Like even when I sit here and paint, like and I'm working on new projects, like I look back over and there's like there's at least four projects sitting on that shelf. And I'm like, I do want to continue this. I do want to finish this project. Like I don't want like there's there's only a couple that I'm just like, man, I don't really care about that. Um, so but it's just for me it's just it's it's time time oh, time's always a problem you know, if i could so get you, about 16 you, more hours a day i'd be all right <laughs> <laughs> even then it's not enough yeah so uh, you've you you've um you mentioned the term project a lot of times uh so what in your project do you enjoy most because i'm assuming your project is the start all the way through mm -hmm. uh, do you enjoy like the modeling aspect do you enjoy the basing or creating a base or background or do you like the painting painting what do you really enjoy the most the painting? <laughs> just straight up painting, huh? painting no that's it that's it uh i do bases because i have to um <laughs> it helps me okay. set the scene. and i hate gap filling 
Screw gap filling and mold lines. I hate it. There have been many projects that I've gotten, like, or minis, I'm like, this is good model's gonna be so cool. And then I open it up, and there's just like mold slip and all this other crap, and the, the pieces don't go together. I'm like, oh, this sucks. This is never getting painted. Bye. Will, you have a, you now have an older brother. Yeah. I'm now your older brother. We are from the same ilk on that one. <laughs> I hate it. I I'm hate not going to throw any companies under the bus, but there are definitely some of them better than others. <laughs> Amen. Oh, oh, darn it. So, um, well, that was that was that was an easy, easy one, one then. Painting done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when you're dealing with your projects, do you have a particular scale that you like to 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 work on? Is there, is there a particular uh, millimeter size that just more fun to paint, or one that you like? Hey, I can really knock these things out. They, because it just happens to just flow really knock these things out you're talking to the wrong person for that one (laughs) (laughs) um i'm actually working on a project now that it's like oh yeah i'm just gonna like paint this really quick i'm gonna knock it out and then i'm gonna let me show you the the, like the base that i built for it oh that's real quick (laughs) (laughs) for anybody not looking it's like it's like nine inches tall by like five inches wide or something ridiculous. Actually, uh, it's probably five with the spikes, but it's, I think the base size is only three. Yeah. It's on channel one for everybody that's watching. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a, yeah, the plinth is a three by three and then the, the height of like the, the backdrops. Yeah. It's eight and a half inches. Yeah, so that does, and then the figure, and then the figure to go on it. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to like paint something quick and like not care and get it done in two weeks. Like, yeah, that yeah. was like, I think that was four weeks ago. Don't, don't think that's four weeks ago. So. <laughs> um, but um, so I like um, my favorite thing are probably like larger seventy-five millimeters. I, I do really like. Or um, I mean, I, I love busts. I love painting busts. Um, not necessarily overly huge busts, though. Like right. Um, but just kind of like there's like you know a sweet spot, and also it 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 does depend on on the model, you know, and 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 the sculpt, and um, you know sometimes it's it if the sculpt is really good, it can be out of that range that I really like to do, and it's still really enjoyable and really fun for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd say probably like 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 I said like larger seventy five millimeters like um so if it's like a seventy five millimeter scale like orc or something like that then it tends to be a little bit bigger so I'd probably say like true scale something around like the ninety ish millimeter range I think is just I think they're awesome because it allows you to do to do so much more you know what was your first ninety mil or first larger figure that you painted um it was a bust. I think. Was a bust. Oh, no. Um, well, so there's, there's. I, I assume we're not talking about Games Workshop stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I painted plenty of monsters. My first, my first, um, when I got back into it, like my first actual like Warhammer AOS army was Beast Call Raiders, oh, and nice. I specifically picked that because it's like I only had to paint like five models. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> they were big, but yeah. it's like five models. Cool. I'm good. Um, but. Um, I guess um, so. I was still painting, you know, primarily gaming stuff. But the first thing I moved in was a uh, a creature caster model. I think, okay. um, if you want to call it that, even though it was still like 
in my mind at that time, it was still more of like a kind of like a gaming thing, but I guess it's not. It's kind of like a you know, she's a demon. It was the um, the lady with the butterfly wings, I think. Uh, that okay. they, uh, yeah, the they ner- nergly looking demon la- lady of anguish, I think. Yeah, lady of anguish, I think, was the first first one, and then um, my first bust was a um, a werewolf from Blackheart. Oh, nice! I love their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do really cool stuff. stuff. Um, Have you painted a dragon yet? No, and it's crazy that I haven't because I love dragons. Dragons are so cool, but I haven't. That's like I think a, a dream, like project one day is to paint like one of the Carol Burdick dragons. Yeah, there's a what, tiny one over there. You see <laughs> over my what's over my shoulder? That's Smog. Yeah. Oh, you still working on him? I remember uh, you almost talked about. Oh, good. Almost good. done. Good. Almost done. Like I, I will deliver him that's on cool Wednesday. Name. Wednesday. That's such a that's a that's a cool model, man. That's it's an iguana. Damn. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> For sure. So I do have um talking about large scale, like this is I have the um I did back the uh the Nocturna Kickstarter, the Blood and Skulls mm-hmm. one with the Mega Orc. So that's like oh, he's yeah. probably dragon size when you put them all together. <laughs> yeah. That might be a, a project for am, at man. some point. I actually kind of wanted to do him in a diorama with this guy as well, which is the like the warg from Ooh. the um, Hera Kickstarter. Right, but that—that's gonna yeah, be no, like that'll be awesome. Yeah, that's, it'll take me. It'll take me two years to paint it. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, so you know one of the things on it before Dan's got a couple questions after sure. this too, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. The Scarlet model is Witch Horn from Mindwork Games. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay. Did you buy anything else from them? Because I know uh, one of the other painters that's a real good friend of the show, a guy named Michael Proctor. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I are both like. Uh, addicted to Mindwork Games models. Mindwork's like, awesome. Uh, well, both of us have both versions of the Puppet Master. Did nice. you get the Puppet Master? No. Uh, uh, I do have some other models from Mindwork. Okay. Um, and um, a buddy of mine, I, I didn't back the Kickstarter because my, um, my buddy got all of it and mm-hmm. we're going to split it because okay. it kind of worked out that the ones that I wanted were not the ones that he wanted. And so it's kind of like a nice even split. So when that gets delivered, he'll ship them, ship me the other ones from Italy. Did you buy the bust of the witch horn bust? No, no, I I, I really, I trust me. I really thought about it, but it's like, (laughs) mm, I've already painted this once. Like I, I think that, you know, and the other thing is like, I think I've with, with time, like the time that it takes me to do this with everything else, going on like my painting time is precious and that's one of the things i've kind of realized more recently i keep talking about all these kickstarters i get in but in the past few months i've really started to realize again between work and the kids and and everything else that that i've got going on like i'm trying to be more selective about the models that that i paint like Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to be more realistic like am i actually going to get to this like, or is this right. just going to be another thing that goes on the shelf that I'll never get to? And um, I've kind of, I, I've actually stopped myself from buying a lot of really awesome stuff that they've come out with recently. Um, and I just, I, you know, I, just, I, I have to, I know that I, I, I won't, I won't get to it. So there are, there are some other stuff that like as amazing as it is, Damn. like I'm not gonna, um, I, I just can't. You know? That's funny because that's exactly uh, that is exactly what stopped me from backing 
the Mindwork Games one and the the Arthur Legends of Arthur one from mm-hmm. Child Creatives. I'm like, I want these models, but will I ever get through to paint that? You know, what I'm saying like, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> I feel that, man. Totally feel that. Like, um, I did, I did break my rule because uh, when um, Chimera put up Hades, I'm like, nope, that thing's cool. I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed those you're allowed those. i'm gonna do it it's like i'm getting the paints anyway so yeah save on shipping right there you go hey that was an economics decision right of course That's just basic of course math. come on of course you know <laughs> so hey we're gonna change gears here for a sure. second uh for the remainder of the show cool, cool. and uh we have had some uh off um offline conversations in discord yes we have about this little teeny weeny thing that we're doing in February. Hopefully not so teeny um, weeny. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of it's, it's a heck of a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Um, so, can you talk to us about the classes you're going to be teaching at the Kill Team Open in Baltimore in mid February? I am actually really excited about this. Um, so. Ryan Wilfong, which is one of the organizers of the event, actually works for my wife at her company. He's oh. he's the chef, um, and uh, he knows that that I'm into this. And I remember um, a while back, he came up to me and he's like, "Hey, I'm trying to do an event here, and would you be interested in doing some demos and classes?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, dude, totally. You know, we can do that." And then um, come to find out, it's you know a bigger event. <laughs> than um, I thought it was going to be. And yeah. that's okay. And that's actually awesome because it was the impetus for me to really look at doing convention style classes, which is something I've wanted to get into and do for a while. Um, so I'm going to do, because it's a kill team event, um, it's most of the stuff's going to be on small scale figures. It'll be on games workshop stuff. Um, We'll probably be doing Space Marines because the volumes on Space Marines are fantastic <laughs> for teaching concepts. It's true. It, it really is. Yeah. They are amazing models for, for teaching uh, some of the things that I'm going to be going over. So I'll be doing three classes over the weekend. Um, one of them is an introductional introduction to directional lighting. So for all of the gamers out there that are, you know, might paint in that edge highlight games workshop style and are interested in directional lighting um and i call it directional not zenithal because zenithal means it's coming from the top directional is somewhere else so light source illuminating your miniature um that will be one uh and then there will be an introduction to non-metallic metal um not quite speed painting non-metallic metal but um an introduction to make to, to get a good product product relatively quickly and remember i mean it's a rel- relatively because this is for a kill team not an army you know right. so it'll be slower and more involved than you would want to do on like a 2000 point army um <laughs> but it will be quick enough that you know techniques to you know to um you know get them on the table and um it'll be a lot of introduction to theory and where you where you're doing your highlights and your shadows um 
uh, to get a dynamic result. And then the last one will be a course on painting faces. So facial tones, um, you know, the different color zones of the face, how you uh, represent the volumes of the face, facial structure, stuff like that, and how we can represent that in a 32 millimeter miniature. Um, because so many of these these squads that, that people have, that's like what I was saying, one of the best things for about kill team or smaller squad based games. I mean, a lot of this stuff will be you know applicable to any other if you anybody who's listening that, that plays tabletop games. Um, they're more squad based or like infinity or kill team or war cry or, or underworlds, whatever, right. you know, um, they're like the perfect medium for people who are gamers and, you know, display painting curious or really just want to up their game and have something that's that not only you can play with, but is also visually impactful, you know, something that you can paint that you can really kind of be proud of to put on the table, um, that, that next step. Um, so it's using these display painting concepts and art, real art theory concepts and applying them towards gaming models. Yeah. Uh, so are th- those, will, are these your first classes that you're teaching? These are going to be my first, yeah. My first like classroom classes. This is nice. me getting me getting my feet wet. Cause I hope to do lots more um, of these style classes and some workshops and stuff like that in the future. Would love to do some weekenders and, Right, like some larger scale things or busts, and like really get into the nitty gritty. It's my first time too. I'm teaching a class as well. I know. Aren't you excited? <laughs> I'm nervous as shit. You know, yeah. it's it, uh, it'll be fine. Th- three hours on composition. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting. We're going to yeah. see how we're going to pull that off. You know, I have an idea about. Uh, uh, I, 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 I bounce this. Uh, if you don't mind me interrupting, Dan, let me bounce this idea off of it. So. Yeah, off, off you. Um, so one of the things I was going to do is have, I have a friend here who uh, does a lot of 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to have him print uh, like five or six different uh, 32 millimeter figures. Mm-hmm. I was going to put them in an envelope, each one in an individual envelope. Uh, so they couldn't see it. And then after I do the composition and ideas and stuff along, like working through the composition part of the class, then this interactive part of the class was going to be that they have to pull out the mini and then kind of follow this process of like, you know, what's the name of your mini, what's the title of your project mm-hmm. and like all these things, like only, and everything has to be like gut reaction, not like you have to actually sit there and plan it out while they're kind of as the interact. I like that idea. Do you know what else you should do? What? You need to do a base, have a base, a larger base, and then have each student take each of those minis and place it on the base and actually make the composition where it is most aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing, and then explain to you why. That's some deep shit. I think they get a kick out of it, though. Oh yeah, and that's that's good. I, I yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to adapt it a little bit differently to to. I'm gonna pitch to teach at ReaperCon next year that nice. uh, a thing called Lost in Translation, and like we you and I talked about. Yeah, that, we talked uh, a little bit about it, Eric's class. Yeah, yeah, about it, and that that kind of um, my skill set is probably I'm really good at the ideas, pretty good at Break executing, and my painting still needs mm-hmm. to come up. Come, uh, come, I still have to, a lot of lot to go on my painting and stuff like that, and so I'm trying to teach to my strengths to begin with. You know what I mean? For sure. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
No, I'm excited. I'm nervous as hell, but you know, I'm ner- I'm nervous about it. But uh, you'll do, you'll I'm probably you, you might get you might get hit with a slide deck before. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries Jay is is Jay is you know gnawing at the bit for us to get a class going, so that might be a good time to to practice right. before we go. I mean, we have you know we'll have right after time, uh, yeah. the holidays. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Well, too, that's a thank you for reminding me that. Dan, what did you think of Game Garrison as a venue? No, I liked it. You liked it? Okay. No, I liked it. Like I would, I would, I would come back. Okay. Like yeah, I would happily. Yeah. I think that was um, Jay, who's the guy that runs the store, right? Yeah. 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 No, I, I'd happily, um, because he, he actually, I think after the class was over, he asked me if I would like to come back and teach a workshop as well, and yeah, um, and I would, but it's that's future. I got yeah. some months, months, months and months down the road before I could even begin to organize that. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, we'll help you. Yeah. So I have, like, we, like we help with right Eric. now. I just have, I got so many irons. In the fire, oh. man. Like I said, work yeah. is, work is crushing me. The kids, like the nanny was off for like a week. She took vacation. So I was like cleaning up there. And then my wife, um, has all of her, cause she's a wedding planner and caterer. So her schedule is nuts right now. And then I'm trying to finish, um, like three different models before the end of January, one of which would be a bust entry for LVO. And then I have to get the curriculums done, test models done, everything for, you know, the end of February. And then also thinking about Golden Demon and Adepticon, not only Golden Demon, because Eric's pushing me to enter P3 Grandmasters. So that's another project that would have to be done by the end of March. And then as soon as that's done, is this, is this still, are we still on the show recording? Or oh yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I, I, I'm not quite going to put it on a show, but I will have a secret project in the works for next year. Awesome. Good. Yeah. So uh, that's, you, I'm working with a, a certain, certain someone um, to do a certain something, something special for a specific <laughs> show um, nice. that is overseas. Um Ah. That I will be traveling to, uh, and it's going to be a big project. And this is something that um, it'll be my own. It's my own sort of concept, um, mm-hmm. and we'll be bringing it to life together. And That's awesome. um, it's it's going to be it's going to be big. You know, it's going to take a lot of time and effort for that one. But I think it'll. So be I'm wondering, are you going to eat some pasta at this location? You know, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I love pasta. <laughs> I will not be putting any pineapple on any pizza there, though. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anyway. Because I think uh, at Adepticon it. this year, Golden Demon is going to be pretty um, oh. pretty insane. Because what I've heard... I bet, I bet that is a lot of fun to, to, to be there this year. Yeah. Because it is going to be... Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I did learn recently is that I don't think that the UK Golden Demon is going to happen again. So that means with the US Golden Demon happening, that means everybody that would have been holding stuff for the UK Golden Demon this coming year is not going to be. So that's all coming here. So now that tactic of, okay, do I take this to the US or do I hold it for the UK one? The UK one's not happening. So this year is going to be insane. Like you got to assume like anything that, um, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure Ben's, I-, I think I've heard that Ben's going. I don't know. I haven't talked to Ben, but like, I know Andy's going to be bringing his A game. Richard's going to be bringing his A game. They've got a bunch of stuff to, to bring. Um, 
I'm hoping David Soper comes too. I love that. Would be stuff. super cool. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot of people at Adepticon this year. I think it's going to be really yeah. fun. I've yeah, seen, it's going to um, be crazy. Like there's, I wish I was going, I was able to go, but that's like a real. That's like a final college tours and everything and stuff like oh. that with my oldest. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, it's in your future. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, with thank God it's another got like, little time. It's like okay, got some time I've now. got I've got thirteen years. Actually, less than that. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna tell you, you gotta you start, start you gotta start touring at like sixteen, seventeen. So what, I have eleven years. Man, it oh. comes quick. I can't. I I I just we. It's really funny because my son is a he's a senior, but he's uh, an October birthday. So he's already 18. And so it's just been, it's been a weird adjustment for us because we went to get his shot records for Mm -hmm. school and they're like, you can't have them. I'm like, why? Well, he's 18. Mm. He's got to get them. He's got to get them. Oh, I know. Isn't that a fun thing? You can't like make appointments. You're like, Hey, yeah, I want to find out about this and that. They're like, sorry, dude, I can't give you that information. That's going to be, that is, that's going to be my son too, because his birthday is literally like, it's like two days before the cutoff or something like that mm-hmm. or a day. So he's like, it's like the oldest you can be like for your, for your year yeah. is going to be my son. Nice. So yeah, I totally it's get excel it. Excelling sports. There but, you go. But the other yeah. side for boys, they say it's really good. That's a really good thing. I'm, for I'm boys happy and, for him. That was one of the yeah. things that I always hated growing up was I was always young for my year um, mm-hmm. or on the younger end. And one of the things I hate, especially for, for for sports because i went to um i went to a private school and in our sort of league we there was um in north baltimore there are a lot of private schools like this but some of the competitive competing schools actually used to like hold kids back a lot Mm -hmm. per year like an extra year so Mm -hmm. a lot of my sports i was actually competing against guys that were supposed to be my grade level but they were two years older than me and Mm -hmm. when you're like 14 and 15 like that's a big difference you oh, know yeah. and um yeah so I'm, yep. I'm happy he doesn't have to contend with that well yeah that's what was a big thing my son learned too is that when he hit 15 in swimming that that's 15 16 17 and 18 is one age group in swimming and it's man brutal and so you have like yeah. these lanky tiny 15 year olds swimming against these adult male yeah 17 and 18 year olds and you're like come on really mm-hmm. and so when you see that 15 year old win you're like holy shit there's that guy's you know? that guy's good that yeah. kid's good yeah see i was um what did i do i was a wrestler and i played rugby um so at least with wrestling there was um you know mm-hmm. a weight class but right still makes a lot of difference and um for, i played rugby later fortunately but still, like there were so many times, and I'm like running, I'm like trying to tackle these guys that are like sixty pounds heavier than me, and it was just, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, man, it's rough. Dan, you want you want to handle the last one? Uh, you can do it. You sure? I got your name yeah. on it. Are we already right, almost to the end? We're yeah. almost. Oh my almost. gosh. Yeah, it's already it's over. It's we've been recording for over an hour. So, yeah. well, I guess for me that's well, that's pretty good because you know, I'm yeah, trying we'll to keep it concise. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, one of the things we usually do to wrap up um, the, the interviews, um, you know, I, I we we ask typically if there's a miniature you'd like to see, 
but we know that are we, because, are we, are we not are we not doing lightning round uh we don't have to it's up to you i you know i i kind of have been we can, uh, we can do we can do lightning on. round yeah, all right let's do the lightning round then all right do you want to do it dan you want me to do it? i think i know oh, some of these questions because i don't have a freaking clue about <clears throat> lightning round Oh, right, oh, yeah. <laughs> How is well, it I guess... that I know more about the lightning round than you do, Dan? And it's your podcast. <laughs> you, probably, you probably listen to it more than I do. <laughs> now, in, in Dan's defense, Dan is not a podcast listener. He listens on YouTube, and I am I am woefully behind on up, updating our YouTube, YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah, I, I need to I need to get the YouTube thing up to date, um, which is one of my goals in this uh, holiday break time period. So, all right. All right, so we're gonna do the lightning round, uh, and Dan's gonna learn. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to switch it up a little bit. Maybe I'll throw in a new question or two for you there, Will. But the first question, of course, is when was the last time you drank your paint water? Probably about like a year and a half ago. Because oh, I know. Wait, no, no, just just wait though. <laughs> I switched cups. Okay, so I use a specific water cup pot actually it's like one of my favorite things that citadel has ever made is like their little water cup pot it's kind of awesome and then i also when whatever i'm drinking when i'm painting it's coffee tea whiskey or wine so it's typically in a different glass or mug than my painting thing and as i've built this new like desk um, I have a little area on top that I use as a cup holder. So anything that I'm drinking goes up top and everything that I'm using down here, you know, is for the brushes. However, literally like, I think it was like probably five days ago or something like that. Um, I have a, um, like the little, uh, like sort of ramekins, like a little stainless steel ramekin, mm -hmm. you know, a little cup that I use and I put, um, my mediums in it. So at that point it was a mix of, uh, drying retarder and some flow aid that I like to mix into my paint when I'm doing like really fine details. And I wasn't paying attention and I went to wash my brush out and lick it. And I dipped my brush right into that drying retarder and sucked it off my brush. And I was like spitting and like wiping my tongue for like 20 minutes. It's freaking gross. Flavor like I think my, my tongue started to actually go numb at that point. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you, just a warning, if you use Liquitex uh, flow improver at all, that does say toxic on the bottle. So, yep, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. <laughs> nice, nice. It was um. What do I use? I actually use the the, the Blick uh, uh, drying retarder, the Blick right, extender. Right. I actually like it better than the Liquitex drying retarder, but um, it is absolutely Liquitex flow. Look at this. Look at this nice weathered bottle. Nice, and that we'll stuff that lasts for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got the airbrush marks on it, and oh you know. yeah, big time. All the drips, everything, all those paint spotters. I actually, so actually, I, I went through this. I went through this. This is actually the second bottle because I, um, I didn't want to bring the whole bottle when I went to Virginia for Eric's class. So mm -hmm. I, I poured stuff back into this bottle uh, from a new bottle. Very cool. So it is all possible right. to actually get through it. Okay. So this no, yeah, I and they last a long time though because yeah. uh, do you do the one to twenty ratio too? Water no. to no. no? <laughs> I just I don't. So one of the things I've started doing like with when I paint, like thinking about ratios or anything with that, I don't do any of it. I don't. I I just do what what flows and and what works. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't paint anything really via via recipes. 
Uh, I think right. that's a, a big thing to kind of move towards in your, in your painting is an organic process and not a scientific process because mm -hmm. art is not a recipe. That I agree 100%. All right, back to the lightning round. Damn it. You're kind of making it not fast, right? It's okay. <laughs> so the gods of the brush descend and say you can only paint with one paintbrush. What size brush? What brand brush? Windsor Series 7, number two. Number two. What is the deal with the number two? Everybody's like, that's that's what everybody picks is the number two Windsor Newton. Because the point is so good. Like you can still do details with it. Like you can, like with a nice fresh number two. Like you can do, I can pretty much do whatever I want to with it. Mm -hmm. Like even painting eyes on a, you know, a space marine or something like it's still possible to do that, but it's got a nice big belly and it holds a lot of paint, holds a lot of water. You can still do big, broad strokes on it. Um, like I've painted just entire busts with just a number two. Like it's, it's literally like if you could only have one brush, like that is the brush to have. Or I would say, if not a Windsor number two, then a Raphael 8404. Two. Even though Which, that Raphael is bigger, definitely much bigger, much bigger yeah. than a Windsor. Yeah. But I do really like the Raphaels as well. It's too bad they're so damn hard to find right now. Will Han, how often do you actually clean your paintbrushes? And when I mean clean, I mean clean them, not just rinse them in water. Not that much. <laughs> Not I'm pretty bad at it. <laughs> I'm pretty bad at it. <laughs> I'm really Will you pretty abuse bad at your it. tools, Will? You're a tool abuser, Will Han? Very much so. <laughs> Excellent. Tools are That's made to right. be used, me used and replaced when they wear out. Nice, nice. So uh, I give you a choice between uh, acrylic inks, heavy body acrylics, or model paints. Do Camaras count as model paints? Yes. Model paints. Uh, Model paints. Okay, I would, um, and that's 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 a hard one uh, because part of me just wants to be like, I don't want to play anymore. No, right. I'm not answering <laughs> this because I'm going to use all of them. Um, <laughs> but um, if you're, I, I would say, because if you're going to classify Chimera's model paints, that gives me the access to pure pigments, right? Mm -hmm. And then model paints. There are so many other types of model paints around and different brands. They all have different uses, different strengths, different weaknesses. It just gives you the versatility that you really need. And if I really thin out some of those, you know, some of those pure pigments are pretty damn strong. Um, yeah. And um, you thin them out, like you can kind of make your own washes or something like that. Um, and you can still get vibrancy if you, or the illusion of it, if you, um, how you play with your shadows and stuff. So I would say like, that would be my choice because with with inks only, then you're you're kind of limited with coverage, so to speak. There's there's just some issues there. And then I love heavy bodies. Like I love using heavy bodies, but I don't like painting details with heavy bodies. Like if I'm gonna get Have really you tried fine, the oh so oh so flat ones yet? The liquid, no, you know, I think I, just I think came out I've with heard of them. That. I've heard mm -hmm. of them. Um, for heavy bodies, I use uh, Scale Artist or Liquitex, just like standard Liquitex heavy bodies. Everybody's. And that's pretty much what I what I lean on. Nice. Okay. So first thing that comes in your mind when I ask this question, no hesitation. You gotta just answer it. What is the next model you want to paint? Um, one of the uh, Reina Roja ones. Um, it, it came. Fauna was the first one that came to my mind, mm -hmm. but also the Horn Goddess is is another one that's like 
that, that's a, I think it's such a cool model. The horn goddess bust specifically. Nice. So I'm having a hard time actually deciding between that and there's another bust that I had a really specific idea for, but I've been sitting on it for a few months. Um, and there's one of those, those are two of the busts that I want to get. One of those two I'd like to get done for LVO. Very cool. Now, is there a model from a TV series, anything along those lines that you'd be interested in seeing come to life that hasn't been made yet? I, yeah, as you've probably heard, I always give the example of the Dark Tower series. Yes. Uh, specifically, I want to see the Jay Lee artistic versions from the graphic novel come to life. What about you? So I'm going to give you two here. Okay. I, you know how they're doing, they've been like, it's kind of a trend in, in the miniature world now where they're doing a lot of miniature lines based off of artists work like other two-dimensional artists right, right? Mm-hmm. so we saw like like there's a lot of brahm out there like journeyman is doing all the paul bonner stuff yeah. um and then like i talked about the rain rain and roja um they did mm-hmm. the christopher lavelle stuff like it's almost like how come there's no like boris vallejo stuff out there agreed you know like agreed. even like i'd love to see some like boris vallejo girls and stuff but not the bodybuilder ones like right. the more curvy ones, <laughs> you know, some like Boris Vallejo monsters and stuff. Like you maybe like that, but like a more updated, not eighties style. Like let's do a more modern version of like some, or some of his, you know, newer stuff or something. I think that would be cool. But or the national lampoons vacation poster. Yeah. Right. Let's translate great. that to a model. That would be it would awesome. be. It'd be great. Um, so, um, Actually, even like uh, I have one of his art books, uh, Dreams, the cover, and I think it's like the basis of it was, uh, I think it's Joy Bell, but like something like this. Like that'd be so cool in a miniature. Nice. I know you guys, you guys can't see it, but it's it's the cover art for Boris Vallejo's Dreams uh, art book. You know, nice. Yes, like that would be that would be, be fantastic as as a model. Um, but for the cheesy answer, okay. Also, I would love to see Mortal Kombat. As miniatures yes. all of them i want like scorpion fun. sub-zero luke hang all of them <laughs> nice. like how cool would that be to have like and like sell it like a, a diorama like like they've been like you know doing is like literally scorpion versus sub-zero like the epic battle i played a lot of mortal kombat as a kid yeah. <laughs> would you title the diorama get over here you know <laughs> yes <laughs> or finish them or something along those lines. Totally. Fatality. All right. One of the things that we ask our artists is, is there a specific piece of advice that you can give our listeners as they continue on their journeys to become better, braver, happier painters? So this is actually like a hard one. And um, I, it's, I, I'll admit, um, because I listen, I listen to the show, um, I've actually thought about this before and I have still haven't come up with a good answer yet <laughs> and that's probably not what you want to hear but okay. um a couple of things i'd say is like i mean don't don't take it too seriously in a way like don't be so hard on yourself and that's i know that's that's so much easier said than done because so many of us fall into that trap and specifically me included i i talked about it earlier um don't let it become not fun you know, because at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. It's about kind of enjoying what you do. Um, and as long as you're, you know, as far as improvement goes, just take it one day at a time. Learn from your mistakes and um, 
slow and steady wins the race, I guess. That's awesome. No, it's greatly appreciated. You know, the, it's hard, you know, there, I don't know, it's always hard to put things in concise, especially in the world of art, you know what I mean? Like, so concepts and stuff like that are easier to look at than necessarily explain. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes giving advice about a particular, anything in particular can be. There's so many different, just little things, you know? And and honestly, going back to what I said before, like art's not a recipe, Mm -hmm. you know, art's not, it's not a, a, you know, um, paint this color, then this color, then this color. And it's not, it's not structured. It's, it's, it's organic. Um, and, um, learning how, how to flow, you know, is, is something that I find that's, that that's very important. Kind of like, um, one of the things that I kind of liken it to is learning to drive a car. Okay. When you learn to drive a car or to race, I mean, especially anybody that learned how to drive a, you know, a manual transmission or whatnot, like when you first get in, you're first learning, it's like you're, you're thinking about your, you know, your foot's on the clutch, like, well, I got to push this in and I've got to, you know, think about, wh- you know, wh- which gear is which and whatnot. And as you, as you get better and improve, it become, you become more one with the car, with the vehicle. Like if you're looking down, at your feet or the shift knob or whatever, you're not, you're not going anywhere. But when you're to the point that you're looking at the horizon and you can see sort of the end project and everything else starts to become more natural and you start to feel it art in a way is, and specifically miniature painting is like that when you're not thinking about like how good this blend is or like, is this the right color to put here? And you're thinking about the, the horizon, that end project, everything else just will fall into place. If that kind of makes sense. Is that kind of a good analogy? You made me think of my daughter playing the cello. That her yeah, same music thing. gets the music gets her playing gets better the less she looks at her hands, the more mm-hmm. she focuses on her music. Yeah, and so yeah, one hundred percent. And that's yeah, exactly sort of the same thing. See, I, I tried to learn how to play music, and I was god awful at it. I am so musically uninclined; it's not even funny. That's why I use the car analogy because I did used to race, so that's kind of like it kind of fits <laughs> in my brain a little bit right. more. But it's, fair, it's fair exactly enough. what you're saying. You know, right. like so when you well, look at why a, don't you. Uh... But go ahead. No, no, you. No, I was going to say, finish. like you know, you're looking at a, at a, at a you know any you know rock star musician whatever up on the stage like they're not like looking down at the frets they're not looking down at what you know what strings they're hitting and whatnot it's they're feeling it like at the end like you got to feel it and then once you can feel it with your art then your horizons will just it'll explode what you can do nice you just wrote my better braver happier statement thank you yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Got it. I don't have to think about it this time. <laughs> so, well, why don't you tell our listeners uh, where to find you? Um, on Instagram at Sick Willie Miniature Art, um, and there's underscores instead of spaces, so Sick underscore Willie. Yeah, dot dot dot. And then um, I'm on uh, Putty and Paint um, as just Will Han Will. Uh, last name's H-A-H-N. And um, 
I actually do have a Facebook artist page under the same name, Sick Willie Miniature Art, but it's really new and I'm terrible at updating it. So, and I think I have like 20 followers or something there <laughs> because I'm terrible about posting on Facebook, but um, hopefully as my schedule opens up a bit more, I'm going to be uh, more active on that as well. Hey, you've got more followers than we've got listeners, so that's good. Hey, you know, yeah. We have our seven coming listeners. up in the world. <laughs> I gotta. So we will put active links cool. in everywhere we post, so that way people can go it's right fantastic. to. Fantastic! You guys are you awesome. Know, well, thank you so much, Will, for being on the show. We really appreciate it, dude. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. I'm been super excited to do this. So, listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.